want to mention, uh, so next week, Luther Eatman will be here with us. Luther's uh, pastor of Bridge of Hope Church in Kansas City, uh, a sister church of ours. A number of you have gone down there to help uh, serve. They, they serve in the urban uh, core of uh, Kansas City. So uh, Luther will be here next week. Steve will be back uh, the next week to uh, continue our study in Acts. But uh, today we are going to think about... Uh, baptism. Uh, today, five people will be baptized. Uh, one in this service, Denali Douglas, and then the other four uh, you'll see listed in your bulletin will be baptized at the uh, 1030 service. And uh, I'm going to sh- talk for a few moments, and then we will uh, watch a video where we will see uh, all of their um, their stories, and then we will uh, watch the actual baptisms. But I, I want to think a little bit about that passage that Nick just read in, in preparation for baptism. It's a passage that uh, talks about uh, spiritual realities for, for those who are being of baptism. Uh, baptism uh, pictures uh, what uh, Paul wrote here in Romans chapter 6. So I want to spend some time talking about this. Probably some of you have seen uh, the bumper sticker on the back of the car that says something like, Christians aren't perfect, just forgiven, right? You've seen that? It's usually the car that's flying by you 30 miles an hour over the speed limit, right? It's that car. If you have it on your car, it's okay. Don't take it off. Uh, you know, um, on one hand, I agree with it, right? I, I'm, I'm, I am not perfect, and so I am thankful that I am forgiven. That's true, and so we're thankful for that. But it also sort of subtly communicates something different, sort of has a subtle message that uh, sets a pretty low bar for our lives as Christians. It kind of says... You know, we're really not different than anybody else, but at least we're forgiven, right? And, and that's kind of a low bar. Jesus really uh, has a grander vision for who we are, who we can be in Jesus. And, and that's part of what this passage is about. And that's what we want to look at uh, today, this, uh, what, what actually has happened to those who are in Christ. Because it's a lot more than just being forgiven, as good as that is. It's, there's a lot more. And so Paul uses the imagery of baptism to point to spiritual realities that are true for every believer that make a substantial difference in how we live in this, this, this world. And so in, in chapter 5, he talks about the law. And as he's coming to the end of that chapter, Paul makes a statement in 520. He says, now the law came in to increase the trespass, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. And so he says that the law came to reveal sin. The law came to make us aware of sin. So in that sense, uh, the law came in that sin might increase and increases our awareness. But the amazing thing he said is is that as sin increased, grace abounded all the more. And it's a sense of it's super abounded. It it just, sin cannot outpace God's grace. In saying this, he anticipates a question. If, if that's the way it works, if uh, sin is an opportunity for, for grace to superabound, then, verse 1, what should we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace might increase? Wouldn't that be a good thing? And he's kind of posing that question. If, if grace can abound more and more with sin, doesn't that then give uh, an opportunity to shine light on God's grace? Doesn't that bring him more glory if we just sort of sin it up so that grace can superabound over our sin? Well, his answer to this is to teach about who we are in our union with Jesus, who we are in our union with Jesus, the things that have actually happened to us in Christ, again, that baptism points to. And so he says in verse 2, by no means, how can we who died to sin still live in it. If you've died to sin, how can you live in it? 
This is your spiritual reality. If you are a believer in Jesus, you have died to sin. You are no longer in the realm of sin. You are no longer under the dominating power of sin. And since that's true, it's unthinkable that we would live a life characterized by sin. Now, he's not saying that we won't struggle with sin. He's not saying that we won't sin sometimes. Yes, we will, of course. But he's saying we're not dominated by sin. We're not under its power any longer. So how can we who died to sin still live in it? And he goes on in verse 3 and 4 then, and this is where he begins to use the imagery of baptism to point to this, this reality that, uh, that believers have died to sin. Look at verses 3 and 4. Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death. And so everyone who has experienced conversion, come to faith in Jesus, has been baptized into Christ Jesus, and you've been baptized into his death. And in verse 4, he says, we were buried with him, therefore, with him by baptism into death. Uh, Burial is proof of a death, right? And so he's saying, if you've come to faith in Christ, you've been buried with him. You have been baptized with him. You have died with him. His death is your death. In verse 6, he gets really clear about the spiritual realities of this. He says, we know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For the one who has died has been set free from sin. So before we came to faith in Christ, we were enslaved to sin. It was this indwelling presence in our lives that controlled our lives. But in union with Christ, we have died and been buried with him. His death is our death. His burial is our burial. And in union with him, we've died to sin. We've died to the dominating power of sin. We have been set free from sin. And so are we forgiven? Yes. But it's much more, right? We're actually set free from the dominating power of sin. Praise God for that. But there's more. Not only are we united with him in his death, baptism also points to the spiritual reality that believers have been raised to new life in him. Let me read verse 4 again. It says, we were... Buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death, in order that, as, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. And so the purpose, he says, of being united with him in his death is so that just as Christ was raised from the dead, we could walk in newness of life, not just forgiven, newness of life, a different kind of life in Christ, a new life. Again, before Christ, we were spiritually dead. We could not, I mean, we, we, we didn't have spiritual life. We couldn't relate to God. We, 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 we had no life in ourselves. There's nothing we could do to, to, to get spiritual life other than believe in Jesus Christ, other than be united with Jesus. It's in our union with him in our resurrection with him, that we find spiritual life. And we have that in him. And so there's power. There's a possibility of walking lives of holiness, growing in holiness. In verse 11, he says, we are alive to God. 
In chapter 8, as you go on in Paul's argument, he talks about the, the role of the Spirit. The Spirit of God is given to those who are in Christ. And so he, he's a, the power within us to help us walk with Jesus, to grow up in Christ, to increasingly take on his character. We have that in our union with Jesus, in our resurrection with him. And so are we just forgiven? No. I mean, we are forgiven, right? But it's so much more. In our union with Jesus, we've died to the dominating power of sin. And in our union with Jesus, we've been raised up to spiritual life in which we have the power to put away sin and walk in increasing obedience to Jesus. And it's a life of growth. It's a life of progress. But that is possible because of our union with Jesus. And baptism illustrates those spiritual realities. And so today... Um, Denali and the others, they will be placed under the water, right? That symbolizes that they have died. They've been buried with Jesus. His death is their death. But we don't just leave them under the water. We actually bring them back up, right? Symbolizing resurrection, union with Christ in a whole different kind of life, spiritual life, resurrection life, a life of his spirit within us and power and ability to walk with him. That is what baptism symbolizes. That is what we celebrate today. And we call this a baptism celebration because we are celebrating for each one of these these spiritual truths. But for all of us who are believers in Jesus, we celebrate this reminder that these things are still true of us, right? And so my hope for all of us is that as we, as we watch Denali uh, be baptized, and if you're here later today, see the others baptized, that, that we not only celebrate their baptism, but we celebrate what Jesus has done in our lives. In union with him, we've died to Christ. In union with him, we've been raised up to new life. For those of you who are here this morning that have not yet come to this place of, of faith and, and trust and believing in Jesus uh, we just want to say to you that, that what I'm describing here, what Logan had us pray earlier, I mean, this is for you. It, it's offered freely to you. Um, you can come to faith in Jesus simply by calling out to him and saying, I, I believe that what you did on the cross, you paid for my sin, you died for me, uh, and you rose up that I might have new life. It's as simple as believing and trusting in him, submitting to him. You can't earn it. You can't work for it. It's just a gift that's offered. And we would hope today that you would embrace and receive that gift. I would encourage you to listen to these stories. Uh, you know, all of these, uh, they're, they're, they have different themes, different things that God has done, but, but they are unique in that each one of them have experienced the miracle of, of their sins being forgiven, that they have become new creatures in Christ. Know that you can have that same experience in Jesus. Okay. Well, as we get ready for baptism, I, I want to describe what's going to take place. Um, each person that's going to be baptized will make a series of affirmations and that express their commitment to sort of, you know, deny themselves, take up their cross, follow Jesus no matter the cost. And uh, in these affirmations, they're expressing that they understand that in union with Christ, there's more to be expected than just forgiveness, but it's about a life of walking as a disciple of Jesus. And I, I want to read the affirmations that uh, they are going to express So they'll be asked, trusting in the gracious mercy of God, do you turn from the ways of sin and renounce Satan and all the spiritual forces of evil in the world? And they'll say, I renounce them. Do you turn to Jesus Christ and accept him as your Lord and Savior, trusting his grace and love? I do. 
Will you be Christ's faithful disciple, obeying his word and showing his love? Um, They will answer, I will, with God's help. And then afterwards, we have a response uh, as a church to embrace them and receive them. And so uh, the person baptized will ask us, people of God, what is your response? And we will say, we receive you into the family of God, live and proclaim the gospel of Christ, and share with us in life everlasting. And, And that matters a lot. And because we believe that and, and, and we mean it, I want us to actually practice. And I'd like us to say it, not like we're reading ingredients off a cereal box, um, but we're affirming, we're receiving uh, and blessing those who are being baptized. So in practice, here we go. People of God, what is our response? We receive you into the family of God. Live and proclaim the gospel of Christ and share with us in life everlasting. That's it. Way to go. Okay, Denali, you can go get ready and uh, uh, watch these videos, and uh, then we will see the baptism.